This is Live from the Convent, podcast 30. There is also a very brief 30.5 podcast, but the music on that is unrelated to this band. We were just different people. We were going from country to country, gig to gig. I don't even know for how much of it I was conscious. Thank God for Randy. I don't know how many times he picked me up. There was one time I was so out of it. The only thing that could bring me back down to earth was sitting against a washing machine and just feeling it against my back. Just the rocking and the vibrations and the furious fast spin at the end. Yeah. Randy saved my life more times than I care to admit. We were just kids back then, you know? We didn't know what we were doing. I know I nearly lost all of my internal internal organs just from smoking and gigging and God, there were always just girls in the shower. Oh, even for Cindy, you know, like all these guys would be in the shower. There was so many people in the shower. Oh, God. I, yeah, it was busy, man. It was busy. I just... I didn't get a fucking wink of sleep. I think it probably did some long-term damage. But I still kept picking her out of the gutters, that's for sure. I was 102 at the time, nobody knew. I was going around playing the guitar, showing up for the gigs. I was taking a break from a quite well-known band. And I just wanted something different. I didn't want to stop the whiskey and the cigars. I was a self-proclaimed member of the band and not one of them noticed. I thought I had a tendency to get off my head. These guys, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing like these guys. We had this really important meeting with this record label and Cindy, I mean, she was just... She was gone. I mean, she was there, but she was gone. It was pretty bad. And so I had to get a, a pole and tape it to her back so that we could put her in a, a sitting position. And we had to use inconspicuous tape um, to keep her eyelids open. And, you know, one of the guys, they, they had her voice right down. I don't know how they did it. And somehow we, we managed to move her mouth. So every time something was directed at her question or whatever, it looked like she was answering. I was coming down off something pretty strong and just watching her mouth move and seeing her not blinking and 
just the whole business aspect of the meeting. It was really, it was killing me. It was killing me. I don't know how we got through it. All I knew is that we had to get through it because it meant $2 million, which I know doesn't sound like that much now, but it was then. And, man, that took everything. That took really everything. And the manager or manager afterwards, he he really made it his business to to intervene, you know, like a proper intervention. Um, You know, we all had our our problems. Some of us were sexaholics, some of us were alcoholics, and some of us were try the whatever fuckaholics, you know. Uh, And, yeah, bless his heart, he, he he really tried, you know. He really tried. What's up? This is Joey, the manager. Oh, I saw Cindy when she was 18. It was in one of those dive bars. I was on maybe my 10th double bourbon. And she was like, she was like a little pixie. I hadn't seen anything like it. She burned, oh, she burned. Nothing could hold a candle to her. I knew I had to have her. And would you believe the day before, I thought I was going to shut down my, my record label. Because a bigger record label, they had taken away one of my best bands, the Donkey Foolers. They were the best band around at the time. Everybody wanted a piece. And I was outbid. It was as simple as that. I was outbid. And I thought, you know, I've, I've got enough of this. Oh, I'm through. And then, and then Cindy came along. It was a different band then. There were different guys. I didn't like the look of the guys. I didn't trust them. And they looked, they looked like they were a day away from a coffin. That's me being really honest, and I wasn't wrong. I wasn't wrong. Well, I got Cindy. And then the other guys, I rounded them up from all corners, all corners of the, the country. It was hard work, but... When they got together, that was it. You know, I'm not that old, but I guess you can see just, you know, the way my hand is is shaking now as, as I'm holding the coffee cup. You can see what kind of way we were in, in the 90s. It's kind of different now. You don't really see bands do that. And I guess the music suffers as a result. You know, music's always better with drugs. And I'm not exaggerating. But that's enough of that. I wrote a song the other day. It's one of the first songs in ages. It's called Country Rose. And 
The lyrics go something like, I am a country rose. See me in tatty clothes. I ride at night. In the grass I writhe. You know, something like that. And I just recorded myself really quickly on my phone. Um, I can play it for you. I am a country rose. See me in tatty clothes. I ride at night in the grass I ride. Yeah, something like that. I guess Sunday's on Prozac or something like that now. She thinks her music's going to suffer, you know. I'm getting too old to manage her. I can just about keep up with her. I say, Cindy, it's nothing to do with the drugs. You just got to let go. You just got to get in touch with your sinner. And uh, she goes off into a room, and I watch my programs. And, oh, me and Cindy were married. We live in the same house. Yeah, yeah, I know. Congratulations and all that. Yeah, well, we've been married for about past 30 years. And it's it's fun. She's fun. But, yeah, she's a bit much. She's a bit much. Yeah, me and Cindy, we had a thing going for a while. I mean, Joey didn't know. And they got married quite early. For some reason, it was always hotel swimming pools and casino restrooms. Always those two. Cindy had a real hard on for those places. I didn't really mind. I was, I was always fucked up. And, you know... She was a number in my night. Most nights, I slept with about maybe 20 girls every night. But I suppose Cindy had a special place in my heart. But I knew she was going to die young. There's no way somebody can just keep on and keep on and not drop I was 102 and nobody knew did you know I had a tiger and I would bring her on tour her name was Gertrude and whenever I came up with a new riff I said Gertrude what you think love and she'd either bite me or she'd walk away and I always knew if she bit me it was a good track The first day of the intervention, none of us expected it. It was such an inconvenience. We were recovering after a gig, and the last thing we expected to see was Joey coming into us and I mean, it was like 
it was like, oh my God, it was like the Grim Reaper. He even had this long black leather jacket on and his eyes. They looked so black that day. He was so angry. I mean, so angry. And myself and Randy, we were in the same bed, and, and Joey didn't know, you know, about all this stuff. And he's a really forgiving man. I turned to Randy and said, this is the beginning of the end, my love. <sighs> Randy wasn't even conscious. He didn't know what was going on, and truth be told, he didn't even know that me and him had this thing going. I was 102, and nobody knew. I was still the best guitar player, even with all the young ones coming up. Oh, they were none as good as me. I had this red squirrel. He appeared to me in Richmond Park one day. And he was very pushy. I had fish sandwiches. He went crazy for them. Ever since that day, he followed me around. He would climb in to my guitar and he would peep out through the hole as I strummed. This was even in front of crowds of 50,000, 60,000. He loved it. I called him Quinton. He didn't mind a little bit of whiskey. Well, you'd expect that from a red squirrel. Oh, man, that morning. Oh, man, that morning. Oh. Joey came in there like a tornado with a chili up its ass. I just turned, looked behind me um, at the pillow next to me, and it was <sighs> Cindy. And, oh, God, I mean, the night before, all I saw and all I see at any point of, of my night or blurry blonde visions... I like blondes. I surround myself with blondes. And I guess, you know, that was Cindy, but <laughs> I didn't consciously make that decision, you know. You know, like, and this was just too much. You know, it was too much. I needed Joey to calm down. I needed him to calm down. He was moving his hands around, and it was it was making me dizzy, man. I, his words, his, his volume of voice. Oh, God. I was most annoyed that he had interrupted 
you know, my potential morning session. I'm, I'm more of a morning person. And I really wanted to have that time with Randy. And I was, I was really sad that this is, you know, really, that was really the last time that I, I would have been able to have fun with Randy. I had that in my mind. Yeah. When I say morning person, I mean like 2 p.m., right? These two guys. I mean, the English guitar player. I don't know where he went every night. I don't know where he ended up. There was one morning where me and the guys, we were getting into the van, and he just appeared from from out of a ditch. But here's the thing, you'd expect someone in a ditch to look disheveled, at least. This guy, he was sparkling, sparkling, fresh. I don't know, I don't know how he did that. That's just one of those mysteries, something to do with the English, I don't know. I don't know. Never got to the bottom of that. When I walked in on Cindy and Randy, I was sure. I was upset with Cindy. But I'd had an idea there was something going on. But I was more disappointed I was putting all this effort into making their lives better, propelling them into the public, putting them out there in front of other bands, giving them all the chances. And they could not keep the reins on their whims. They were out of control. They were out of control. Cindy apologized, though, I don't know. About a hundred times when we were in the van and we were traveling to the next gig. I accepted. You know, I'm a Capricorn. I'm I'm practical. I'm logical. I'm all about the work. I didn't want to let it get between us. Randy was a Gemini, so I I expected that from Randy. And what was Cindy? Only an Aquarius. And I don't know. I don't know. Go figure. I always wondered where I went at night. Would you believe me if I told you? I have my own special black hole. And they've got the best moisturiser in there. Keeps me looking fresh. I don't even need sleep. I can get by and not a wink. And what I do is... I meet up with all the old boys that came before. All the old guitarists. 
and we have a right old knees up. Best thing about a black hole is you get no hangover. Best thing. And you know how you gain admittance to the black hole. You've got to play the right note and then it opens up for you. But not until that moment. It only happens through the medium of a genius solo. People underestimate the guitar solos, but not the black holes. That's it for today's podcast. And hopefully the next time we get to interview the band, we will have a sample of their new album. Thank you so much.